Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nick Davis! Nick Davis! I don't believe it! I see it, but I don't believe it! It's time for a new episode of I See It But I Don't Believe It. Uh, this one's not about Sydney, believe it or not, so uh, we'll, we'll move off that topic a little bit. Very excited to have my good friend, my fellow football and music fan, Jason Morrison, here today. He's known for his tour management and his merch selling, but also his love for the Carlton Blues. Yep, correct. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the Carlton Blues today. Love it. Thanks for having me, Gemma. <laughs> no, thank you for coming. Jason is very organised and prepared. <laughs> I feel a little bit out of my depth because, you know, when it's not your team, you know a little bit less. But today we're talking about Cooter's Quarter in the 1999 prelim. Mm. Are you excited? Oh, I'm very excited. <laughs> very excited. Multiple reasons, but we'll get to that Excellent. As, the, uh, as the show goes on. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's uh, set the scene, which is my favourite thing to do. Great. So it was the 18th of September, 1999. I actually didn't even write the date down, so you're one step ahead of me. Well, it was the day before my ninth birthday, so there you go, everyone. It was at the MCG in front of a 90,000-plus crowd, uh, Essendon up against Carlton in this prelim. So mm. as, as it is now, winner makes the grand final. It's a pretty big deal. Carlton v Essendon is usually a pretty big deal too. Uh, and also the fact that Essendon had absolutely belted Carlton twice that season. Twice that season, yeah. The first one um, was about 50 points, and the second one was 74, I think it was, from memory. 76, 76. I've got written here, in round 16. So, uh, yeah, we definitely weren't at our peak. We kind of we lost we'd, up until the preliminary final. We'd won two out of the last five games, yeah. I think it was, and we uh, finished sixth, like just scraped into the finals. And I think the finals were different because they lost a final but were still able to yeah. make it Yeah, funny you mention that. It was actually the uh, last year of the McIntyre system. I actually printed out a nice little <laughs> nugget there just as a um, – and it used to be um, – it would be it was a whole different system, and it was the last year of that system. Yeah. So in, in 2000, they had the system that we know now, few other tweaks into it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we lost the first round, but then the way it was set up meant we uh, 
able to play Essendon in the preliminary final. And, well, I suppose we don't need spoiler alerts because we know what happened. And if you don't know what <laughs> yeah. happened, uh, Carlton won by one point. I'm just going to set that scene <laughs> now so that then I don't have to uh, – or maybe I shouldn't have done that. No, no, that okay. – I mean, totally fine. I think most people know. Okay. And we, we, can, we can edit that last little bit out. <laughs> And Essendon, because of those couple of wins, Essendon had been the best team all year. They went in as yep. very heavy favourites into this game. Huge favourites. Carlton were not meant to do well at all. Um, kind of like uh, when in the 2013 final that they weren't meant to be in, <laughs> where they beat Richmond. I just wanted to mention that. Anyway, <laughs> so... We can save that for a whole other episode. <laughs> well, I've actually done that one, so you should oh, be listening. I've, but that's... Uh, that. Other than this one, that is probably... My favourite football moment that month. We talk about that like every time we oh, see each other. Oh, it's so glorious. <laughs> and mostly we talk about it because Carlton lost to Sydney in the semi-final and I don't remember after half And I always mention that part. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But back to the point. Yeah, the, uh, the, the common thought was that the Bombers had their easy match-up in that, yeah. in that uh, preliminary final and that, yeah, Carlton were going to be no – just easy walkovers. Yeah. Um, so, as well, context, this was – right before Essendon went into that year where they didn't lose a match all season until they played the Dogs and then destroyed yeah. the finals as well. So Absolutely. This was this team that was coming into the best year we've seen in the AFL era. Yeah, and really. it's, it's almost because of this match. Yeah. Um, kind of jumping forward a few, a few scenes, but in the aftermath of this game, Kevin Shetty... Uh, Took some steps to really hammer it home. We'll get to that later on. I won't jump too far ahead. But uh, the quote is that the year 2000 season for Essendon started an hour after this game. Yep. And uh, you can sort of see where Essendon ended up with that and beat Carlton's record in 95 by losing one game. We only lost two. Um, and it was the opposite trajectory for Carlton. Like we, it was the beginning of the year. It was, it was, it was almost the next season we'd finished second and we'd lost to the Essendon in the preliminary final, uh, basically a replay of two, of 99. But pretty much from that moment on is when Carlton kind of went from one of the biggest and most established and most, I don't know, feared club, but definitely one of the strongest clubs yeah. to the Carlton. We all know, and I love, um, <laughs> And well, the powerhouse club, like the Hawthorne, Sydney, or Geelong right now, yep. Carlton was that in the 90s. In the 80s as well, and, and like through the 70s and 80s and into the 90s, that, that decade, we were super strong. Yeah. Um, before 1970, we had like a 24 or 25-year gap. Mm. So it was really from 70 to, um, you could say, you could say 99. Um, and then obviously with the changing with the millennium, um, there's a lot there to go into with to that. unpack, yes. But uh, <laughs> a quote out of it was in, in the week before this game that um, the former and disgraced Carlton president, John Elliott, had said, oh, that Essendon um, shouldn't have deserved the 93 premiership where they beat Carlton because they were over the salary cap and, uh, you know, they, they cheated their way to the grand final. Oh, the irony. The <laughs> irony of that when he said that in, you know, the week before this game in 1999. Yeah. To then fast forward three years and Carlton came out that they were nearly a million dollars over the salary cap, got fined a million dollars, lost draft picks, lost and went from uh, 2001 where they finished fifth, lost in the semifinal to Essendon. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, no, they lost in the semifinal but Essendon went on to win the grand. Mm. 
Yeah, to then 16th, to win their first wooden spoon in their history and then five in the next 17 years. So the irony of that statement at that crossroads, but then you can flip it back on Essendon that then they had the drug saga after that. So I just find it so fascinating how different clubs deal with different situations. Like bring it back to Sydney very briefly. Sure. (laughs) uh, The whole like having uh, draft picks taken from you and that sort of stuff. Different clubs have been handed down different punishments. Mm. In my recent memory, obviously Essendon's one example, but Sydney with the trade ban, which I still stand by being ridiculous. But also Melbourne had something around that. Adelaide had something around that. The way different clubs are able to pull themselves out of that is really fascinating. I think it goes to um, the development part of the club and also the list management part of the club. And if you've got a good list manager, that's worth more than a head coach, I think. And this then goes back to not just John Elliott as the president and some of these things that he did in paying some of these players under the table and against the salary cap, but then it goes back to the attitudes of Carlton, which he came in, I think it was 83 he came in, and we can talk more about, probably in another episode, we can talk (laughs) more about how he got in there, but um, in that, obviously Carlton were, you know, where they won... Um, back to back in 81, 82, and then I think it was 80, uh, they won another one in the 80s, it slips my mind, and then strong 93, 94, 95, and then 99 as we can see, um, but it was always premierships is what all we want, and, mm. and we won't accept anything less than premierships, and the other quote is Carlton don't rebuild. So when you've got someone in charge of an organisation who has like, it is perfection only, mm. And some players, like, listening to Kuda talk about John Elliott and he talks about that being something that he was really inspired by and was a big fan of John Elliott because of that attitude and that motivation which hit him in the right chord. Yeah. But then also we don't rebuild, we don't stop and take stock and, you know, reset. Which when Carlton hit that 2002 season, 2003, and that's still over their heads, that's still attitude, it took so long for that took a good 10 years to really clear the decks to before we went and said, okay, Brenda Bolton's in. We've got Stephen Silvani as the list manager for that period of time into now his current role, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really a humbling experience that needed to happen because of Carlton's previous people running it and then not actually clearing house to reset. Yeah, it's – I don't know. I have I have a thing about cocky uh, people in on boards of football clubs. <laughs> Um, and that probably comes from being a Sydney supporter as well, how quiet and unassuming they tend to be. And then when something is happening, they come out and they're like, they, they do have a whack, but it's way more effective when you only do it once every few years, instead of every five minutes, you've got a problem. Yeah. Um, talking like an Eddie Maguire or a, um, Koshy or a, um, uh, Hawthorne's current president, oh, um, Jeff, Jeff Kennett. I was going to say Bob Hawke, but it's that's a previous. That's oh, not um, oh. where it's constant, constant chatter from them, and um, it just uh, means nothing when yeah. you are always doing it. Whereas when Andrew Island or um, what's his name come out and say something, it's mm. actually now now Tom Harley as well. Like it's much more effective because 
They're not always trying to draw attention. Yeah. And they're not always trying to place blame on someone else. They're just going about their thing and then when it's significant. Yeah. And I, I think I appreciate that. And I think that's what Melbourne started to do as well is Peter Jackson is becoming that person. Anyway, yep. we're, getting we're getting off topic. Like, Sorry. We can spend all the whole time talking <laughs> about this year, but, yes. but this is really the 99, even though we had a mild level of success in 2000 when we reached the same point, I kind of feel that this is almost like the hinge of Carlton's history of the previous 30 years onto the next nearly 30 years. So it's, what, 2018, 20 years. 2019. Um, Yep, starting the 2019 (laughs) season. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's really hinge on that and, um, you know, as a long-suffering Carlton supporter, it's, you know, you hang on to these moments until the next ones (laughs) come along. I never suffer. Going for the swans, you don't suffer. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. So we're back. We're back. It's the 18th of September, day before <laughs> my ninth birthday. Got to remember that. Um, it's the MCG, 90,000 plus in the crowd. So going into this game, Essendon heavy favourites. Carlton are not meant to even fire a shot. Nope. But at quarter time, Carlton are up by 16 points. Yep. Which... In itself is crazy. It's almost like round one of 2018 when Carlton were five goals up against Richmond, <laughs> a quarter that I've watched about ten times more than any other quarter of football this year. <laughs> it was great. Oh, it was glorious. That game? It was wonderful. Um, so, yeah, they're up by 16 points at quarter time. People are like, okay, this is going to drop off. Like, whatever. Yep. Essendon will come back. Essendon are the, the team to beat this year. And then it gets to halftime, and they're up by even more. They're up by 24 points. And it's yep. just like, What? And then reality sets in because they come out after halftime and Essendon kicks seven goals seven in the third quarter. And you're like, okay, this is what's meant to happen. Like, this makes more sense. So Carlton go into the final quarter 11 points down. You're like, "Mm, okay. And And it's really like the the team we had was on paper one of the strongest teams in the league. Mm. Um, Going through some of the stats, uh, Ratten... Brett Ratton had led the league in disposals, handballs, tackles, clearances and contested possessions. So he was the Tom Mitchell of the time? Yep. Craig Bradley led with most kicks, most inside 50s and most uncontested possessions. So Isaac Smith? Uh, Lance Whitnell had most marks. He was in the top 10 goals, but you had Lloyd and Carey and Lockett in that. So we'll cut in some slack. Yep. Um, equal first in Clangers with uh, Hawthorne, Brownlow medalist, um, Shane Crawford. <laughs> and in the top for inside 50s, but that was behind Cummins, Lockett, Lloyd and Carey. So, yep. again, in so very... Buddy Franklin. Yeah. Okay, maybe and not then, Buddy. Maybe it's like Josh Jenkins. Maybe a step below Buddy. <laughs> uh, and then Matthew Allen, our, our ruckman, had the most hit outs for the league by far. So, so like, Max gone. Maxi gone. So that is like on paper, you would say that sounds like a team that should be finishing first and should be, you know, right up there. Um but as you can see, had a very sloppy start and, and up until halftime was a bit of a like, okay, we're actually in this. And um, Essendon, I think, came out a little bit confident in the start and Glenn Madden, who was pushed into full forward instead of his usual backline role, kicked the first goal in the first couple of minutes. Mm. Another one followed not long after. And next thing you know, kind of we have that, you know, what, f- four goal, five goal lead at um, four goal lead at half time. Four goal lead, yeah. Which is like for someone who hadn't won a game against the top four team all season, it's like, oh, g'day. Yeah. Hello, this is a uh, a nice 
Yeah, but nice it's just setting you up to be sad. Oh, which... That's what you learn. You learn it. You do. <laughs> and I mean, the seven goal seven in the third quarter probably didn't help. No. No. But 11 points down, heading into the fourth quarter. Realistically, what did Carlton have to lose? But also, Sheedy was doing some weird shit. So, Kudafidis lines up at centre-half back, mm. like a, his role. Standard. His place. On Dustin Fletcher. Which, I mean, no. Wouldn't, for one of the most athletic players, um, and a, he was a former um, high jumper, and would, uh, Tim Forsyth was one of his components at junior level, and I think at one point he'd beaten Tim Forsyth at a competition or two, but, you know, Tim Forsyth's obviously now an Olympic competitor, and, he's, and there's a decathlete, uh, Kuda was a decathlete, so he was this... Athletic kid who was doing athletics at a state-ish level, yeah, as well as playing under nineteens, and in that kind of you know coming up through Carlton at the same time until one, you know, athletics in his words would have to write a, you know, page-long essay to get a grant, versus training where he could go and run and kick the footy and just had to show up. Yeah. So it was like, eh, footy. Yeah. So to put him against lumbering Dustin Fletcher is kind of like, why would? You know, Which just seemed, yeah, it just seemed very odd that Sheedy was doing that. Mm. And you just wondered what he was up to. Yeah. And because it was Sheedy, like, any other coach, you'd be like, oh, he just doesn't know what he's doing. Because it's Sheedy, like, there's a plan here. Yep. And I think as a Carlton fan, I would be nervous looking at that, not knowing what the result was. But two minutes in, mm. Steve Alessio kicks a goal for Essendon. And Carlton supporters everywhere just groaned. Because it's just like, okay, it's going to be more of the same. Yep. But and, then... And Long, there's an amazing goal by Long as well, just before that, mm. that's like, after their comeback, their five-goal advantage in that quarter, for Long, who had a pretty great game, it was to kick this, like, dribbling snap kind of goal, you're like, oh, this, is, this, is, this could be the game-changing play that then would lead through and... All right, here we go. Standard Carlton, you know. Well, not standard Carlton now. Yeah. Then, not so much, yeah. But, so uh, then five minutes in, Fraser Brown gets a golf Carlton. Mm-hmm. He had a great game. Mm. Um, so We'll get on to that later. Yes, we will. Mm. So then they start, they're starting to at least show some fight. It's not all one-way traffic. Yep. But it's after this goal... The centre bounce after this goal that everything changes. Mm. Everything changes. <laughs> I love how excited you're getting. As much as... <laughs> uh, because our friend Kuda. Oh, the boy from Laylor. <laughs> heads into the centre bounce for the first time in the whole game. And he'd been asking his coach and asking his coach and mm. asking his coach to go into the midfield. Yep. Pretty much all season, right? Yeah, it was something that he'd, he'd wanted that freedom to be able to just go with the ball yep. and be able to follow it, chase it push back and forward, and in what some would say is the prototype for the current player, both his size and his ability and, and the way to play that way, we might see some changes now with the the start-off rule, which yeah. we'll see how that plays out. But for this recent crop, if he'd joined Carlton you know, four years ago, still would have been a standout, would have been that perfect, or any team really. Um, well, utility, every team needs a utility or two. That's it. It's funny, I was thinking about this the other day, how rarely they get called utilities. Like, I've got my 1995, 96 football cards and, you know, position, utility. And, like, 
rarely would you see that on a football card. Yeah. They just call them midfielders now. Just run around. Yeah. I mean, I did... I'm getting slightly off topic here, but I did have a conversation with someone the other day about how every team has that one big-bodied midfielder that mm. they can throw into the forward line and do really good, like a lot of damage. Yep. So for Geelong, it's Patrick Dangerfield. Yep. For Port, it's Robbie Gray. For North, it's Jack Siebel. For Sydney, it's Isaac Heaney. Yep. Like, all that sort of stuff. And it's funny, there's like only one or two teams that don't have that player, and they're the teams that... Don't aren't able to turn games. Yeah, it's very interesting. Anyway, off topic. So Kuda lines up in the middle, and yep. there are three Essendon players in the middle as their midfielders. So Long, Mercedes, and Mercury. I'm say, saying that very strangely. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, they're all in the middle, but no mm. one can quite understand who is his opponent. Mm. People blame Michael Long now. But no one really knows. No one lined up on him. Yep. And he didn't find an opponent either. He wasn't going in there to nullify anyone. He was going in there to do the damage himself. So, the ball's bounced. <laughs> about seven minutes in, Kuda marks it up forwards, kicks a goal. Great, great mark. Floating mark over behind. Strong mark. Pretty mark behind. Uh, couldn't tell you offhand because the mark... Was more important. Was than the more important than the than the player who didn't get into the right position. <laughs> but he. Ju- but I don't think his opponent or whoever was there. Well, we don't know. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I don't think they were poorly positioned. I just think he was read the ball that yep. little bit better because he's he literally he's a, just floated over the top. And of he's him. a tall gentleman. I met him last year, and we stand about the same height. Obviously, really? he's much. Yeah, he's only maybe an inch shorter than Cripps because I saw them standing next to each other, and I was like. Cripps is about 6'4", I think, maybe yeah. plus or minus. And I'm about the same. I'm like a touch over 6'4". And Kuda is about 6'3". And wow. so you're kind of like, when you think of like Cripps, you go, okay, he's probably like a 6'1". Six, six like you just think of him as this. But, and you think of John Nichols, the great Carlton Ruckman back in the 60s, 70s, uh, early 70s, he was like 6'1". Well, you think about Jeff White. Yep. And you just go, these... these the, the scales is completely <laughs> off. Um, so as a tall gent playing, going back and taking that mark, and that was his first, I think it was the first real touch. It was just before that. It was about, yeah. Like of said, the quarter, yeah. Of yeah, the yeah. quarter. And he'd had, I think, 10. 19. Up until that point. Uh, 18 up until that point. That was his 19. Yeah, yeah. So he only had a handful. Well, when I say a handful, it was... A respectable amount, but and they were defensive touches. They weren't, yeah, like impactful. They were interceptions or things like yep. that down down back and getting it out to your Bradleys and your Browns and, Browns um, and... yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he um, lines up on an on a pretty acute angle. It's probably 40, mm-hmm. 40 degree angle, Only like thirty meters out. Or yeah, so twenty meters. Um, with the really short goalposts as well. Um, remember how short the goalposts were, <laughs> and uh, he kicks the goal. It's like all right. Cool, that's one thing. Cool, good job, whatever. Other people have done that. Sweet. Um, But Jared Healy, I think, not a fan right now. I do, (laughs) although, have an old footy card of his up. uh, Is that when he's got the really great... I can't quite see it very well, but is this mullet era or is that a little bit... Nah, it's not mullet era. Okay. I'll put a a picture of this card up on the Instagram, but... Great. I'll also send you a photo of the night I met Cooter as well, so we'll we'll (laughs) Yes, we'll put that up too. Um, So... Jared Healy, as they were resetting for the next play, he says, uh, and I quote, (laughs) 
what a match winner he is. Can can he do the unbelievable and pull a final out of the bag for the blue baggers? So that that's what he said. So it's just interesting. So after that goal, he'd had 19 touches, six marks, and one goal for the game. Mm. Respectable numbers. Yeah. Yeah. For a Especially whole game. in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just gaze ahead slightly. He was going to end the game with 29 touches, 12 marks, and two goals. Yep. Seven and of those were contested marks too. This is seven minutes into the final quarter. Yep. Okay. Let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I love this part. So we've had, uh, after Essendon's initial goals... Had Brown selling a bunch of candy and dribbled an amazing goal, followed by Cooter's one we just talked about, and then Little Lap in an oversized jumper um, <laughs> does another snap that ba- just bounces through. Which was from Cooter winning the centre clearance and getting him the ball. Another one for Cooter. Yeah. We're just racking up on our imaginary whiteboard here. <laughs> yeah, I do have a whiteboard. <laughs> and then to follow that up with straight after that, Cooter set up Bradley for a chip to Ratten, who put in the goal square, who'd Cooter then run. And taking the mark that he'd set up out of the centre square. Yeah, so it started going with... Going back with a flight. Not quite the same level as Rewalt back with a flight. We won't kind of give him as, you know, but it was still a very impressive... Yeah, so I think that's the thing that most people remember from this game. But it was Carlton were up by one point and it started... Uh, Dean Rice got the clearance out to Cuda, so he was second in that chain. Cuda got it to Bradley who then got it to Ratten just outside 50, yep. who then kicked a long bomb into the goal square mm. where Cooter just floated across the front, kind of coming coming back because he'd obviously run 70 metres <laughs> to get there and got the mark from the front of the pack, read the ball beautifully. And that mark, I think, solidifies what that quarter was about for him because it was every part of effort, be involved in everything. Yep. And if they're not going to win it, then I'm going to do it off my own yep. back. So That's it. That's the exact line. It's like... Uh, Making that change, making that effort and that change to pick the whole team up. Yeah, someone's got to do it. It's obviously not been anyone, so it's got to be me. And there's a great um, story from three-quarter time where um, David Parkin came down and Stephen Silvani, who wasn't the captain at the time. He was the vice, wasn't he? I think so. I can't. Don't want to be quoted on that, but (laughs) because there's a footage of him giving a bit of lip to the umpire and the commentators are like, He's not the captain. He shouldn't be questioning the umpire. And then the other gentleman says, I don't think he's questioning. I think he's telling. (laughs) Anyway, so he gets the team in and then for the majority of the break is just giving them a, giving him the speech, giving him the chat. Like, and, uh, you know, Silvani can't remember exactly what he said and it's not written down anywhere, but it's a, it is the pep talk. Well, I think Parkin mentioned that it was quite the talk as well. He kind of let it happen and then said, all right, let's do it. But, you know, there have been an element of, the leadership that shown by Silvani is go, right, this needs to happen and this is so close and we can do it. And obviously it's hit a uh, chord, resonated with Kuda, who's just gone, well, this yeah. is my time to shine. This is, this is it. And we can kind of – we're starting to see only, what, seven, less than ten minutes into that quarter where he's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> and then, you know, as any team sport or any team, when one person lifts, it's like we can all do this. And yeah. you start to see kind of – Everyone stepping to to that, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so he kicks that goal with the short goalpost. Mm-hmm. Um, goal and height, <laughs> by the way, from like massive. 
Um, and Carlton are up by seven points. I've actually got in my notes it's 78 points. I think it's just a typo. I don't I know. think you got a bit excited. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> they got it down to one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a turnaround. But no, seven points is correct. Seven points. So then Essendon managed to clap back with two really quick goals in two minutes, I believe. Mm-hmm both through Matthew Lloyd, who I think a lot of people forget how good he was and how accurate he was. That was a big thing. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Lloyd was how accurate. If you look at the top 10 goal kickers of all time, he's, I think, fifth, but he's the most accurate of all of them. Yep. And it was always a really good contest between Lloyd and Silvani because it was almost like Lloyd, while Silvani is one of, if not the best fullback of the century, Lloyd just had that something that Silvani couldn't always cap, couldn't always get a hold of. Yeah. And so I think that's what made their their uh, tussles back and forth really great. Um, but they're, they're watching those games and watching rewatching these highlights and then watching them last year when they were both on um, the panel with Caro and Footy, um, Classified. Footy Classifieds and them having a going at, at the desk when they're trying to interrogate Silvani about being a, a rubbish list manager and he's like, okay, guys, <laughs> um, just to, I'm going to deviate for a slight second because it's one of my favourite things from last year is watching them go at it and then... Lloyd all of a sudden's like, oh, yeah, my brother's a list manager at Fremantle. I know what it's like. Silvani turns to him and goes, well, let's get your brother on the show then. Three weeks later, Carlton announced that they've signed Brad Lloyd as part of their team. Yeah. And knowing how smart Silvani is, knowing that he would have been in the pocket at that point yeah. and his brother not knowing and just letting loose on... Silvani and letting loose on Lloyd back and forth is just <laughs> such a great bit of viewing. And if you haven't had a chance to watch it, for a Carlton supporter, it really just filled me with that, all right, we'll last by far. But that was like, we, we've got this. This is like, yeah. oh. And the other part with Lloyd is that his nickname, the Velvet Sledgehammer. <laughs> and I found out recently that was because as while he was uh, deadly accurate, he was also really soft. Yeah. And I was like, Great. I love it. <laughs> love it. Anyway, that's my – if you get a chance to watch that clip, it's so great. Yeah. And just Silvani making Lloyd look like the soft guy he is because Lloyd's oh. – Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, Essendon <laughs> supporters. 
Lloyd was very good forward. Let's just go back to that. I will not take that away from him, but uh, watching those two go back and forth um, is, is some of the great footage in, in footy. Yeah. So the two goals from Lloyd mean that Carlton are down now by five points. Mm-hmm. Um, Kuda still is still lining up as a mid, yep. but he's very cleverly dropping back and floating back mm. into defence and plugging gaps. Yep. So... Doing that, I think he takes the three intercept marks that yep. are all very important. One of them, just a nonchalant one-hander, yeah. pulls it down, acts like it was nothing. He's He talks about him doing the one-handed stuff from an early age with his brother and how, because they grew up in the in the northern suburbs, um, weren't particularly well off, could only afford the smaller footy. Yeah. So him and his brother would always just run around and pick it up with one hand and, and his brother was told when he got to under-19s, Funnily enough for Carlton as well, the coach was like, if I ever see you doing that again, you're out of here. But Kuda didn't get told that. Yeah. Uh, and he just kind of picked it up one day and just it's, it's just his natural thing he grew up doing. So to see that mark where he kind of goes back and almost takes it cleanly with one hand, yeah. it's just a testament to not only how big his hands is, but just his um, skills growing up and... and um, yeah, his, his how natural it is. How natural him. it is. Yeah. It wasn't a hey, I'm doing it to try and show off. It's a oh, I can reach down and pick it up. Why don't I do that so I can keep moving nice and fast? Or if I can mark it with one hand, I can use the other hand to fend off the defender. Yeah, or attack or whoever, whichever position he's in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's repelling uh, attacks from Essendon now, and then about 18 minutes into that quarter, this is my one of my favourite passages of play. Mm. He uh, goes up as the third man in the ruck. Yep. Taps it down to Ratten and then gets it back from him. Kicks it to Hogg, who gets it to Hamill and goal. Oh. It was an unbelievable passage of play where, again, he's involved not once but twice. Yep. Very significantly. And it just shows how much it meant to him to not only be playing as a midfielder but yep. to win that game. Yep. He he had been again. This is some more Cuda worship. He <laughs> this is the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah, this is the whole thing. Well, <laughs> well, it's almost the whole quarter because when you look at a couple of other scenarios that wouldn't have happened, obviously the Cuda setting up the last couple of minutes. But is it anyway? Point of the story is that Cuda uh, started playing with Carlton under 15s and missed out on '93 Grand Final um, because of injury and wasn't selected. So I think he was potentially right, but wasn't selected because of injury. Yeah. Obviously played 95, won that. Um, and then, then now 99, it's like I always thought I was going to win multiple grand finals because of that John Elliott and General Carlton thing of we're going to win grand finals, that's us. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I'm going to win another one, no problems. So that's why when it gets to this, it's like, yeah, this is my time to win another one. This is what it is. Um, but obviously we know what happened the next week, but – you know, this is obviously more important a game in Carlton's history than losing to North Melbourne the next yeah. week. Um, Let's not speak about North Melbourne. No, we can leave that be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in that in that spot where that passage of play, and then he gets it to Hog on the wing who runs it down, and then does in. Hog actually spent the best part of the first three quarters on the bench, and yeah. then had those fresh legs come on. And while he wasn't the most um, outstanding. Not outstanding player in terms of you don't remember that game for Hog. That fresh legs that he brought in that final quarter was the link in the chain 
for Kurdi to be able to hand it off. And there's a few moments where Hogg's like, oh, he's popped up, has a bit of a run, gets it off. So yeah. some great coaching there by, by Parkin to just kind of be a, all right, you know, Hogg's probably sitting there like, you know, obviously there's less rotations and less, he's probably like, come on, like, guys, let me on, come on, I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> and then he then obviously seeing Kuda and after the, the quarter, three-quarter time, it just takes his opportunity to really put his two cents into the game. And in that passage of play, it's just like you wouldn't recognise him ever again, but just was the was the, the great offsider almost to just help facilitate that amongst all of the superstars that were playing in that team. Yeah, and that's the best kind of winning team as well is to everyone's played their role kind of thing. And I know that sounds very cliche, but I think it's so true. Well, there's actually a, a quote from – I wish I could find it exactly in my notes, but um, exactly that, that it was given that to the team like – Everyone's got their role and they went out and did it, was, mm. was Parkin's quote after the game. Like, gave everyone something to do. They did it, executed it, and obviously we're here talking about it now. So Yeah. So that goal from Hamill put Carlton up by two points. And then Lance Whitnell, who, very good player, who we haven't mentioned at this mm. point, uh, kicks another one. Loves a pie. <laughs> There's four and a half minutes left to play and Carlton are up by eight points. Mm-hmm. And then... Mark Johnson for Essendon kicks a goal. So it's back to two points. That was only his second goal for the entire season in that moment. Which is unbelievable. Yeah. And then there's another passage of play in a few minutes' time where he's involved in, and if he could get it out cleanly, would have given Essendon a better shot. But I think instead it goes to another pack and goes out of bounds or goes into a ball up. So this guy who'd only played a handful of games, third-year player, could have very much been Essendon's... Hero, yeah, and we wouldn't have been talking about the greatest quarter ever. We would have been talking about this guy who kicked a goal, two goals to win Essendon in this prelim. They probably would have beaten North the next week. Yeah, so he probably would have been forgotten in the annals of of football history as just a couple of possessions in this game. So it's back to a two point lead. Do you want to take it from here? Because I want to hear you say this last line. <laughs> uh, well. Yeah, okay. I can do this. <laughs> now I'm feeling nervous. I put him the on the spot. To... Well, I do have some pretty substantial notes, yeah, so good. let's just make sure that... Um... So, Kuda takes another pack mark, yet another one, which is his sixth of the quarter and his eighth kick. So that's some that's some solid numbers for anyone that's ridiculous. in a game. They're Aaliyah, Aaliyah numbers. <laughs> yeah. Just, just some like... And that this is not just playing defence. This is the crazy thing. Like he'll play that, and then he'll dish it off, run up to the uh, the forward, and then play a centre half forward role yeah. as well. Um, and then in that moment, it goes back, rebounds again. Mercury picks up the ball, bit of a crumb. About twenty to twenty five metres out, maybe thirty, if you know, depending on what tape measure you use. Has a snap, bounces about the goal line and then dribbles through the point post. And the look on his face is like, I know just what's happened, but we've still just... You can, you can see him swearing at himself, like, I just missed it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can swear on this. You can, yes. Okay, I'll leave that for when it's most <laughs> required. But just the, the look of horror in his face, like it's gone through for a point. It could have been, if he'd taken another half a second or if he'd kind of maybe look for the, for the dish off, could have potentially... 
got that goal, but it is what it is, and Essendon are only down by one point. Um, and then this is what I've put my notes. I've, I've called it the tackle. And yes. the, the funniest bit about this whole play is that even though it's Fraser Brown's moment, even though it's the image of Fraser Brown, the image of Justin Murphy, that's the image that's burnt. Those two images are burnt into Carlton fans' brains, not so much any one particular move that Cooter did. That wouldn't have happened, obviously, without all the Cooter setting up. But so f- to get to that point, the point that McCurry kicked, it's an ineffective kick-in, goes to an Essendon player, comes back again, Rice tries to clear it out of the 50, just throws on the boot, just tries to get into the centre corridor and you know hopefully keep it in that side of the ground. Standing there, literally almost right under it, barely has to move, is Dean Wallace. Yeah. Standing there about... What is it, about 80 or 90 metres out from the goals? Yeah. Not quite at the centre circle, but enough that he's just in that dirty middle of the MCG, which at the start of the game, they're like, oh, it's a beautiful day for football and it's beautiful conditions and the ground's looking beautiful. And you kind of go, are we looking at the same (laughs) ground? Like there's this nice big brown patches where obviously the cricket pitch has been pulled out and replaced. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously in the last few years, they'd do much better with ground conditions and particularly post uh, 2000, 2001, where um, Dockland Stadium had its issues and they've kind of... Yes, which is a whole issues. other There's a whole other story in that. Yes. <laughs> um, one which I love very much. That we'll talk about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, maybe that's just a little short nugget one. Yeah. Um, but Dean Wallace is in the middle, takes this, and you must just go, in that moment, I've got this. There's no one within, like, tackling space. I'm going to go for a run. Yeah. You've got about 70 seconds left, I think it is. Yeah, less I think than it a minute. was, yeah. And he goes for a run. And coming the other way is Fraser Brown. Now, when you watch the footage, you can see a Dustin Fletcher to his left, maybe 15 or 20 metres. And we know that Dustin Fletcher had a mammoth boot on him. And he's not quite in kicking distance, but has the space to run to 50-55 and could have launched to potentially tie or win the game. But he takes it, he goes for the run. Fraser Brown steps to it. And then in that moment, much like a soccer goalie taking a penalty shootout, <laughs> decides he's going left. Because as we mentioned before, Carlton has got been done by Essendon twice really badly this season. And Fraser Brown has mentioned that he went and watched some tapes and kind of looked into his one of his opponents potential opponents, Dean Wallace, went, he will most likely step right. Yeah. And picked it. (laughs) Picked the step and he grabs on and you sort of see him spin around and take him down and you just go, oh, wow. Like it's it's not the most clinically effective tackle. Sorry, it's not the most clinically beautiful tackle or like the if you were changing tackling, it's not exactly how you'd want it to look. But the fact that he stopped this run – and the ball dribbles, dribbles, and a speeding through Justin Murphy launches over the players on the ground, grabs it, takes a bounce, and kicks it out to, I think it was Brett Ratton on the wing, who then passes back with 20 seconds to go. Yeah. And that's how the game ends with Murphy holding the ball above his head and not being able to hold it and dribble. And that, that kind of image is the like 
it's all, it, it's the grand final win image, even yeah. though it was the preliminary. You know, it's the people's grand final. Yeah. You know, the preliminary. You know, it doesn't have all of the sponsors and 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 extra people that at that for the spectacle. It's it's the true fans of the game, and in that moment. It's just oh, I'm just getting chills <laughs> explaining it. Like I'm all, it's not the uh, the energy drink I had just before I came in. It's this like whole excitement of just that play, that tackle, from all the work that Cuda did, from all of the like the the way the team after their loss to Essendon in round 16, their coach went, they're just a, you guys are just a B rate team. Yeah. In the media, he said that publicly, and for them to then turn around and beat Essendon. Cooter pulling out one of the best quarters of football ever. Fraser Brown to just make that right decision, and then Justin Murphy just to have the the right place at the right because that very easily could have gone to an Essendon supporter and that tackle would have been turnover and it would have been useless. Yeah, but Murphy just running in on at the right time. But the really interesting thing, which we sort of spoke about beforehand, is you watch that footage back, and I've watched it a bunch because, as I said, you need to hang on to these things as a Carlton supporter. <laughs> is that in him going right, he obviously ran into Fraser Brown, but you see Akuda streaming in at about 90 degrees to the way that um, Dean Wallace was coming. Yeah. And if he'd stepped that little bit further and evaded... Um, Fraser Brown. Fraser Brown. I'm looking at his name, but I just couldn't say it. If he, <laughs> then Akuda would have rugby tackled him. You yeah. can see him lining up for just the, almost a spear tackle um, and probably would have had the same effect. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that thinks in an ideal world, if he just stepped that little bit further past Brown and Kuda just cleaning him up and taking him down would have been the fitting end. But if he had taken him down, the ball hadn't spilled out, it would have been a ball up and could have very easily put Essendon back in the game at their 50-metre line to kick the point goal to continue it on. Yeah. So just that set of circumstances. And you look at, I think you yeah, just mentioned that Dustin Fletcher was there on the left and obviously with Cuda streaming in, just to the right of Cuda, um, I don't know what player it was, but a man that Cuda was running with at that time, if Wallace had just taken an extra step and then handballed over Cuda, again, there's a whole lot of things. And Dean Wallace, as much as I'm excited about this Carlton win, that there's no way that he wouldn't go to sleep at night going... If only I'd step left, if only I'd handball it off, if only I'd just, yeah. like, whatever it is he could have done, it would have drastically altered not only that game, but then Essendon probably would have gone on to win the grand final, back-to-back 99-2000, potentially 2001, depending if they'd got the roll-on for that year after, and would have been a whole different set of circumstances going into that era yeah. um, versus Carlton. It's just... You can't, the, that not only that tackle, but Kuda's effort it can't be under. It's it's an amazing play, an amazing quarter. Um, I think until last year's grand final, I may be wrong on this, but I think until last year's grand final, this was the biggest champion data points quarter in the history of the mm-hmm. game because people went back and tallied it, yep. and until Luke Shuey, this was the biggest, which is. Kind of awesome. It's also... See, my thing is... My thing is... Bring it back to Sydney just briefly. My thing is the greatest finals quarter ever played was surpassed in 2005. I think it was. But, I mean, this was still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> still pretty good. Um, yeah, so 
they go on to win by the one point and make the grand final. So oh. that is Cooter's quarter. Cooter's quarter. I said yep. that with such an Aussie accent. I can't <laughs> believe I'm ashamed of myself right now. No, it's such a. It's such a. Uh, I don't want to use the word depending if there's listeners, but it's such a uh, continental name. It is. Uh, and just to kind of go off that for a second, and this is something that I think you might really appreciate. As an Italian. As an Italian. And as someone who, myself, who is um, dating an Italian. <laughs> um, where is my piece of paper that I put it on? He was actually named in both the Italian and the Greek team of the century, uh, AFL Hall of Fame team. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, let me just find the, if I find the paper, I can tell you who else is in it. I can't actually uh, see it in front of me. But, um, Jason has way more notes than I do. I have two pages. He was named as the vice captain in the Greek team and then, yeah, in the uh, Italian team of the century. Italians are great. Oh, it's a, it was... Sorry for all this That's fine. clunking around. Um, I know I printed it because... Well, maybe I didn't actually hit print. Anyway, point of the story is... <laughs> um, Kuda was in the Greek and Italian... Team of the century. <laughs> I was so excited to bring that in because I knew you would appreciate that, Gemma, and like we can have then have a slight chat about who was in what respective team, and you know. But mm. uh, we can always get back to that. In I'm going to guess that there was a Dipper Domenico in one. Uh, yep, I know Jezelenko was in there. Um, Silvani, like obviously a lot of Carlton players because of the strong. Yeah. Um, Which is why my nonni go for them. Oh, I love your non. They're the best. Anyway, <laughs> anyway we should probably the... wrap this up. Okay. But thank you so much That's for coming okay. to talk about Kudus Quarter. Well, it's just to kind of go one more nugget on top yes. of that because there's still so much that I haven't touched on. But <laughs> um, uh, I know that you'll appreciate this, that Essendon in this became the first minor premiers to miss the grand final since 83. There were two more after that, weren't there? There were, and one of them was 1996. Yep. Tony Lockett. Kicked a point after the siren. Yep. Um, I knew you'd appreciate that little nugget. So another Hold bit that. of Essendon bashing. <laughs> um, Essendon and Carlton went one and two again the next year. And Essendon, obviously, as we know, went on to win the grand final. Um, but I think the thing that really resonates with me personally for this game, and I think why in football folklore it will go down as one of those top games, is because it really, and I'm getting a bit nerdy now, really reflects the hero's narrative. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if for those not familiar with the hero's narrative, you look at something like A Mighty Ducks where the underdog faces off against the opponent and then takes an unsuspecting lead and then the opponent in the second act regains, strengthens, and then in the third act the hero steps up, take the charge, at the final battle, and then there's like a moment in the final battle that then... You know, you, th- you just think of the Mighty Ducks movies and it's exactly I mean, that. I think of two Swans premierships when you say that. So, I'm good with this. <laughs> you're, good, you're good with this. I'm just, <laughs> for those who are listening who might not be as familiar with, with that um, noted literary device of the hero's narrative. And it fits that both with Kuda having his game and then that tackle as well. Yeah. So, it's... Um, Plus the team going into it as serious underdogs. Exactly. And then you look at going forward from that, if I just quickly find my page... Um, you know, Essendon goes on to win, and then they finish first in 2001. Um, lose the grand final. Lose the grand final, obviously. Um, I've actually got won the grand final, but it's lose. It's but, definitely lose. <laughs> but Carlton go from sixth in this year, second in the ladder, and then 
fifth, sixteenth, and then wooden spoon, wooden spoon, whatever after the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah, it was a very, I don't know, to sum it up, it's kind of really that hinge. I think. Yeah, you were saying it's kind of that peak between two eras of the team. Absolutely, but at uh, least it's a good thing to go and reflect on. Yeah, partic- yeah, in particular that and the players who then lasted another couple of seasons. Could have played till 2006, became captain between 2004 and 2006. I forgot that. Mm. And he was in 2005 when uh, Princess Park, now Icon Park, finished up. He was the captain and handed the ball over to John Nichols as the. this is after the last game. Um, so that's another little nugget of CUDA facts. But, yeah, it's interesting that in 99 was the last year for Victoria Park, last year for Waverley. Um very much a transitional period in AFL's yeah. time. Um, and then now it's, and it almost is the change into the modern era of yeah, the game. Yeah, definitely. 2000 was kind of the start of what we know now. And one more full nugget is that after that game, Carlton played Collingwood in the uh, grand, uh, New Year's Eve match and beat Collingwood in the Centennial Celebration match. So we at least finished the year on a Fine. win rather than the loss to North Melbourne. So <laughs> um, that's, that's an oft-forgetting... I think, football history. I think the thing about this that I just want to mention is that I don't think Kudafidis is as appreciated or revered by us as football fans mm. now as he probably should be. Yep. Um, he had a really good career. Like, his career was not just this game and then nothing yep. else. He had an incredible career, but he's overshadowed by so many players. I think we need to appreciate... Yep. How good he was. Because when you've got the Brisbane's who's come in from 2001 to 2004, you know, lost to Port Adelaide, still count those four grand finals in a row. And then you've got Hawthorne that came in after that. Sydney was in there as well. Sydney's but, great. We haven't missed finals since 2009. Um, and then obviously Geelong as well, who had a strong yep. showing as well. Um, there are outstanding players from those teams who won Brownlows, who won um, all sorts of accolades, whereas... Cooter after that, 2000 was his year, but unfortunately due to an injury, couldn't play the last three games and probably would have won the Brownlow that year. Mm. Uh, he was the third last round, he was equal uh, on votes and then, um, you know, obviously couldn't play so couldn't poll votes. And, and so Shane were voted one. So let's all reflect on that, reflect shall we? Reflect on that, but, you know, it could have been Cooter's. <laughs> and then he had some injury issues which then forced him to, you know, not live up to his... Potential, yeah, but um, well, Alistair Lynch style as well, yeah. He had the injury issues. He could have been the greatest forward that ever lived, yep. and chronic fatigue and all that sort of stuff kind of kept him back. Mm. I mean, Adam Goods with the end of his career, he yep. could have done so much more. I think, like you, it's just unfortunate that it's extraneous things that stop these players from. I mean, there are players now that are still young that you just worry they're not going to do it. Yep. Nakia Cockatoo, Sam Reed, those sorts of players who. Yep. Just can't quite get their bodies right enough yeah. to show the potential. Charlie Bennell. Or even their, their bodies are right. And you look at Nina Morrison in the AFLW, oh, who's like. Breaking my heart. That could be it. Don't say that. In, in, a, in the most you know, sensitive way, but whether if she can, she, you know, if a player can't quite get the confidence back in that, you know, you look at Kuda, who, who mentions that. After his knee injury, he couldn't quite jump. He couldn't quite leap the same way, which was a big part of his game. Mm. That bit of confidence, even though his body might have been right, not having that quite of confidence in it really... Well, look at Cyril, how he came back after 
ankle and hamstring issues, he had to change the way he ran. So yep. he lost his speed. So that was a big part of his game. Like, mm. there's all, yeah, it's. It's quite fast. We should probably do a whole other episode <laughs> on it. But let's wrap it up. Thank you yeah. so much, Jason, no, for coming to for talk about me. this. This has been I See It But I Don't Believe It. We've been talking about Cooter's Quarter. Oof. And I will definitely have Jason back for another episode very shortly. We've got a couple that we've discussed we want to talk about, so we'll do that. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Catch you guys. We'll be back in a couple of days. Thanks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.